Welcome to the JMS Podcast with Jorge M. Sanchez. Thank you for tuning in. I know it's a Monday. You're not going crazy for those who are dedicated listeners. Usually these things are posted on Sundays, but I had a huge blackout. The podcast gods were not with me. I had no control over it. I had to postpone until the electricity came back on, which is why I'm recording it now and to apologize. But I know it's Monday. I know this episode's late, but I assure you it's a great episode. We have comedian Jeanette Marin. She stopped by. We had a great chat. We had a good talk about a lot of things, about comedy, about mortality, about all the other kind of uh, uh, life experiences. Uh, so I think you're really going to enjoy it. I, I sure you did. She's very nice. She's very talented. And I'm looking forward to uh, meeting her in, in the... Uh, in other rooms, in other either open mics or showcases. Uh, I'm sure you guys should check her out. If you ever have an opp- opportunity on Facebook, you see that there's Jeanette Marin on the show, go check her out. She's really great. Uh, but before we get there, I want to give a quick shout out to Santa Cruz. Thank you so much. Uh, I had a show on Friday, last Friday. I opened up for Third Amp from the Sun, which turned out to be a cover band. Uh, you know, much respect to the guys, but I'm not a fan of, of people with being cover bands but you know what these guys are really cool and they're really good thank you santa cruz for coming out i had one of the best shows of my life we rock and rolled me and the wandering poets i had i uh, i enlisted a couple great musicians from here in the san jose to represent i had uh who did i have oh i had matt mullins for the mountain chimes as my bass player and i had will lineberry from time will decide as my drummer and we did not know what we got ourselves into Halfway through the set, we realized, like, holy shit, we are jam-packed. This is a full-on rock and roll kind of show. And, man, I got to tell you, it was fun, exciting, and kind of scary. I got to admit, but damn, thank you, Santa Cruz, for coming out, for digging my music, and for the good time. Uh, it, it was such a crazy night. Uh, I, 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 I don't know where to begin. I don't know where to begin. You know, I might have a special podcast episode where I bring my bandmates over here and we talk about it because it was a crazy fucking night. We, we saw the sun guy getting his ass kicked. We uh, Taco Bell, we saw them quitting. All the employees at Taco Bell across the street from the Poet and the Patriot. That was interesting. And the people, man. <laughs> what is it about Santa Cruz, man? How do you guys do? You guys attract the most interesting, um, quirky, uh, uh, dangerous-looking motherfuckers out there in the streets. And I think that's what made this show so great. Like I, I really didn't know if I was going to survive the night. And that really gave uh, uh, gave me a thrill, at least. Uh, thank you to everybody again, who uh, all my friends who showed up. Uh, it was a great night. Such a great fucking night. All right. Uh, if you're listening for the first time, you can subscribe to the JMS Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. You can follow the JMS Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can check out the JMSPodcast.com website for more content. And of course... You can email me at jmspodcast at gmail.com. If you have any praises, that will be great. I could use some praises. I am melting out here. And uh, I, I, I could use a bit of an ego stroke before I get a heat stroke. And uh, no, I don't have to. I'm kidding. I don't know. I don't know why I even said that. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to Jeanette Marin. Uh, it's way overdue. So let's go. Let's go see what she's up to. person it's okay the louder the better you know sometimes people tend to speak very low after raise the volume mm-hmm. and then i don't know where they they'll speak loud again mm-hmm. and like it just it spikes up the volume it's, 
I, I, be prepared. That will be me. Again, again, I'm going to apologize in advance. You know, I'm still recovering from that show I was telling you about. Yeah. In Santa Cruz. <laughs> Are you going to be okay? I, I think we're. I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> I think so. Still in shock. Check. All right. Just exhausted. You know, I, I like. Have you ever been in a show where it's just a fucking amazing show? Yes. The next day, like the whole adrenaline's just out of your body. And you begin to talk, and you're not making sense. Well, usually it's the adrenaline's pumping so much that I spend a long time going until I go to bed, like and yeah. I'm up till like three, four in the morning, and then you know the next morning I'm like, oh wait, I have to function. That sucks. Hmm. But uh, Jeanette, Ren, yes. uh, I first met you for Scotty. You came to my room. Yes. And I mistook you for like a new comedian. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of uh, was a new comedian. Well, because you were from a generation of, of comics before me, before mm-hmm. I came along to the scene, at least. Mm-hmm. And I remember you came in the first guy. I don't know if I'd call it a generation uh, before you. I mean, I'm not having babies in between. Well, wait, I did have babies in between the time. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, 10 years isn't, like, baby-making time, you know? So it's been <laughs> 10 years since since you it's- came back? Um, it's, it's been about nine years. Nine, nine. My, my kid's eight, so nine years since I, since I was on the stage, yeah. So you, I was pregnant the last time I did a, a show. So you started comedy in the middle 2000s? Um, I started December of 2005. Wow. On a, on You're so a, specific. Because it was a dare from a teacher. Ah. And I remember selling the tickets, and I was like, yeah, let's do this. It's my birthday month. Was it a college uh, teacher? Or? Yes. A col- it, it was a writing class at um, West Valley College. I remember Mr. Colner. I'm what, terrible at names, and I remember him. Mr. Colner. What, what were you uh, studying? Um, well, I was actually studying, like, um, the science side of psychology, like physiological psych, and, and you know, how do you take data and then work it into statistics things like that but I always every semester did one class of fun like writing class Shakespeare class like that was my fun like English classes and this particular class this semester was um, writing for stage so playwriting yeah 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 I mean I took a lot of his classes it might have been acting for stage I don't know anyways he was cool and he took a vote and um, said, do you guys want to do a dram- dramatic scene at the end of the semester, or do you want to do a comedic scene? And we all voted for comedy. And he said, okay, but you the catch is, after we had all voted, the catch is you have to do five minutes of stand-up at a club in Campbell and it's called The Gaslighter. They used to have a show there. They don't, The Gaslighter doesn't even exist anymore. The whole building is renovated or something. But um, so he dared us, and we had to sell the tickets, to get a crowd. It was a bringer show, my very first show. And uh, I remember going to all my family and friends, like, oh, it's for my birthday, let's do this, you know, December 2015. And um, we worked on it for months, those jokes, and he brought in a comedian by the name of Joni Mitchell, I believe her name was. And she, like, went over... not, Not the singer. Oh, wait, no. She did a bit about Joni Mitchell, so I just think I call her Joni Mitchell. Oh, okay. But anyways... She was a comedian, older lady. Oh, terrible at names. Anyways, so she went over our sets, and we did this whole thing, and I brought a lot of people, so I got to go second to last, and uh, it was awesome. And I got bit. And the next month, January, the Gaslighter had an open mic, and I went. 
And I was going ever since, 2005, 2006 time. So was this teacher also a stand-up? No, he he made movies. I remember he made a, like an autism movie. And he made um, little short films of things. But he just gave us the option and well, we picked comedy. What kind of connections did he have to pull such a such an event? Well, I don't know. I mean, he knew the lady, Joni, I think her name was. I don't know right. her name. So maybe she had the in at the gaslighter. You know, she was a comic, maybe. Because I figure, you know, to, to, to like, you know, convince a body of, uh, of students to do stand-up, you gotta got to be in it somehow, right? To know how it works. Well, that's why he brought her in, I think, to, oh, okay. to teach us. Because we would go over our sets with each other and say, anybody have suggestions for these jokes? And we would help each other out. And I remember her coming for a couple weeks to help us write material. So, and she even offered to buy one of my jokes. Like, so wow. I, I knew I loved doing it. Like, I loved doing it. How much was she offering? She, I didn't ever ask because none of mine were ever for sale. I was like, no, they're, no, <laughs> that's mine. <laughs> wow. So you were also introduced the business to, of comedy as well at the same time. I mean, basically. And it bit me hard. And I, um, I was doing it as well as I could for two years. But back then was not the same as now. Like, there was not as many shows as there is now. Mm-hmm. Like, I would tell people when I was gone, they would say, oh, would, are you going to ever go do it again? And I would say, you know, it's it's really like having a part-time job. You know, it's, it's a night job, really. But now I came back, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to treat it like a part-time job. And people out here are p- treating it like a full-time job. You know, it's... It's 24-7, all the time, every night you can get it get it on stage now. And that's not how it was back then. Can you further elaborate how different it was back then? I mean... Is it the same... Do you see same faces? No, 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 no. I mean, uh, Tony Sparks up at the Gaslighter is still there, you know, and he was very kind when I came back. and He's currently at the Brainwash, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say Gaslighter? Brainwash, Brainwash, Brainwash. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, see, I still was thinking about that first set. <laughs> yeah, the brainwash. He's still there. Um, there's a few people here and there that are that are still around, but most of them have either gone to New York or L.A. or they're out of the scene. Mm. You know, you either kind of move on or you quit. Or you come back, like I did. But have you, like... Um... So you feel like you came back after 10 years, and it's a whole different landscape. Mm-hmm. With a, a lot more people, did you feel you, you had a, a hard time to readjust yourself, or did you think it, before no time you got back into the swing of things? Um, I mean, I did one bad show first, which is really helpful. I think where? Uh, well, I don't want to call out where. where. <laughs> I have a feeling you're gonna say for Scotty. I was no, like, no, 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 no. Actually, your show was good the first time. Do you remember what I said to you to get on your show? No. <laughs> your name. You, well, you, sure. corre- you corrected me on your name. I remember that. Well, sure. No, no, no. So that night, I had never gone to Friscotti before, but I had done the other shows around, like Caravan and Woodhams and all them. So that night was the gong show. And that magical night, I was told, you can get in Friscotti, gong show, and Caravan all on Wednesday night, all within walking distance. Mm-hmm. All, and I was like, I must have this trifecta. <laughs> So I go to Friscotti and I'm like, okay, this is my night. I've set this up, right? Mm-hmm. And you came in and everybody swarmed you. 
and they're all signing up. And I came in, and I, like, stepped right into that circle of men, and I was like, excuse me, uh, can I get something early? I'm trying to get gong and caravan. And you looked at me, and you were like, uh, who the hell are you? (laughs) And I was like, uh, yeah, I used to do this. I tried to pull out, like, I am an old comic. You don't recognize me? (laughs) And you were like, where did you, where did you used to, or how long have you been doing it? Yeah, because I thought I thought you were like brand like first day new. Yeah, right. I was like, no, uh, six months, a year, ten years. What is gonna get me on the list? <laughs> and you were like, uh, wh- where were you doing? And I and I came clean. I said, well, I used to do this ten years ago, but I'm back. But I've been doing it a few months. And you were like, well, where did you do it back then? And I said, oh, you know, uh, Roosters Improv, which is true. Not like every day I wasn't doing it, but, you know, true. And you were like, well, then what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> and I was like, uh, can I get this set? <laughs> I don't remember, but it was funny. And well, you gave me, a, you were like, okay, I'll put you on the waiting list. And uh, I'll, I'll let you have a spot. I was and such a dick. I'm no, sorry. no, no. Because <laughs> you slipped me in. Because I said I'm trying to get to um, the gong show. And you put me in, like, maybe fourth or fifth, and I was like, oh, oh my okay. God, thank you so much. I redeemed myself. Good to know. <laughs> well, in front of everyone else, you said, oh, you're on the guest list, but uh, or on the wait list, but yeah. but yeah. Uh, it was awesome. And I was like... No, you did great. Like I said, because I, I, usually for Scotty, has has become a hot spot for people who want to do it for the first time. You know, it's, yeah. I, I, it's a bit a of safe a... Safe space. It's a bit, it's a, uh, you know, a, a little safer space, considering it is a cafe and it's brighter inside. Right. Plus, uh, I see so, that there's a lot of younger people coming. Yeah. Because they can't get into the 21 and over clubs. Right. So, I, I get a lot of those folks coming, you yeah. know. So, I, I, when I see a new face, I automatically think, all right, new guy. Yeah. Like, like I should, or new gal, or like, you know, support them, you know. Like, yeah. if, if for everybody's first time, I, I support them. After that, they're, you're on your own. Look, <laughs> <laughs> like I gave I'll, you a I'll, shot. <laughs> I'll hold your hand for the first, you know, set, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm glad I, I didn't have to do that with you because you did you did really awesome, and Thanks. um, and yeah, and the thing is, is like sometimes I get people coming and they, of course you know they're trying to you know, what's the word I'm looking for where, I wouldn't say impress the host but you know give it a good impression, mm-hmm. you know so you know I have people naming off like oh I was on TV or I was on this, yeah. and me I, I don't give a shit. But I give them a little hard time over it. I was like, "Oh yeah, good for you." Yeah. Like, uh, like I, I had someone go, "Oh, I was in Family Guy." I'm like, "Well, okay, uh, number fifteen." Yeah. <laughs> hey, I want to be on Family Guy. <laughs> it's like, come on, I'm not the club here. Like, it's for me. It's like it's open mic. Like, yeah. you don't have to pull that card on me. Yeah. It's like, well, when there's only fifteen spots and you're trying to get that spot, sometimes. You're like, I'm please, the, buddy. But I'm the wrong guy to do it to. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, like, a, a guy, uh, another guy came in, you know, saying he was a big name in L.A. and he wanted to go top five. And I'm like, no, sorry, bud. You got, you got 12. And he fucking hated me. He walked uh-huh. out. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I, I have no dog in this fight. You know, like, I'm yeah. no, like... You not, you not being able to go on on a, on a open mic, it's like no big deal for me at least. Yeah, and I think I think you know that's both the advantage and disadvantage that you know I'm not because like you said a lot of people treat comedy full time. Yeah, and they, and they do that they take it very seriously and and, yeah. and they're always thinking about the next move or the networking or like what well, can this person help me in my career. Mm. 
it's like I feel bad for those guys that think I'm that guy. I'm like, no, dude, I'm just doing this, you know, because I love it, you know, yeah. and I know I'm not gonna go anywhere. I'm, I'm a, I feel like I'm a mediocre comedian at best, <laughs> but I, I love this. I love hanging out with friends, and I love this as a writing exercise. So yeah. I, I don't necessarily give a shit that you were on TV. Mm. I know that's my two cents. So. For those of you listening, <laughs> don't bring your credits to Friscotti. <laughs> yeah, take them to Caravan of Woodhams. I'm sure. Be you'd, there on time. We treated it. there better, I guess. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, okay. So what we were saying was, I had a bad show. My first show back, back after eight year hiatus, I had a bad show, and I think that really helped. Why? Because. I cried about it, and I was like, why am I doing this? No, you, and, some, you got emotional for it? Yeah, I mean, it was it was horrible. And so, I mean, it was, okay, nobody in the audience, like three people, and I went throughout the place, and I said, hey, we're going to have comedy after the game, you know, I think it was Monday Night Football. And um, they, they were like, okay. I'm sorry, my mic. That's okay. And so I, I got one table to come, and they got a picture, and they were laughing, and great. But, but these people didn't know me, any of the comics, you know. And the host certainly didn't know me. And I was like, hi, you don't know me. Can I get a spot? And um, I got a spot, but it was kind of near the end. Fine, whatever. But the, the, the table had stayed, and they were good. And then as soon as the person introduced me... She walked up to the table and started talking to the table. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're talking to the only audience here. Yeah, and and uh, they didn't listen to a single word I said. And um, Such the I, worst feeling when you're doing your set and yeah, nobody's listening. Yeah. When you just are no eye contact and nobody gives a crap and there's nobody there and they're literally talking over you and it feels horrible. And so I went home and I was like, what am I thinking? And um, and then I went and that next show was a little better and that next show was a little better than that. And it's just kind of been building and building and it really helped to get that bad one out of the way. I mean, I've had bad ones since, don't get me wrong, but they don't hurt as much. Okay. Because cool. I think I had built it up so high for all those years. Like, I'm going to go back. Well, let me ask you this. The two years that you were in comedy 10 years ago, mm -hmm. how were those two years? They were good. They were good. I mean, we had um, we had a, a close-knit group here in the South Bay, but we would carpool up to San Francisco, and we had a show here. Um, you know, we had shows on uh, different nights just like now, but we had a Friday night show at this place called um, The Farmhouse in, in Mountain View, they're closed now. Another another place that we might have closed because of our comedy. That's a side note. So you feel um, like the <laughs> comedy was responsible for its closure? <laughs> Maybe. No, I mean, it was a good night. But we had Fridays there, and it was a great end of the week kind of everybody migrated there. Kind of like I feel Woodhams is now in Santa Clara. Everybody kind of migrates there at the end of the night on Monday. Mm -hmm. That's how it was at Ron's Farmhouse on Fridays. And you saw all these comics, and it was just a marathon show, and you would see people coming down from San Francisco, and anyone who didn't have a show on Friday night would, was there. And um, it was fantastic, you know, and you were always working on new stuff because you wanted them to listen to you and care. And the bar staff, it was these two ladies who owned the, owned the place, and they were sweet, and they would heckle you from behind the bar. 
and the regulars would flash us with their boobs and when the place closed we had a fantastic going like going away party for them mm. and it was just they wanted just the comics that night and we had a comedy show for their last night and it was really great great okay <laughs> you're like but how was the comedy i mean uh, there was a lot of shows in san francisco like now but it would be like a few weeks of this show and then it would close down and a few weeks of this one and then it would close down you know uh, nothing like now. Nothing. They didn't have like a place on Facebook back then. <laughs> like, oh yeah, social media didn't exist <laughs> back then. No, I mean MySpace was starting, but right. you know, like we didn't have a, a place you could go to and be like, "Hey, where's all the mics in the South Bay?" So it was a lot more word of mouth, a lot more networking. Now it's like Facebook friend. Ooh, I like that. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's different. Interesting. Now, I wonder, how was the transition? Because you started out in your class, mm-hmm. which was a more collaborative and mentor-like environment, right? When sure. You, when you're writing material. Mm-hmm. But now that you got the bug, and now you're, you're, you're putting your, yourself out there mm-hmm. as a stand-up, uh, did you feel there was a shift in how you uh, would write, and how, how would you look at stand-up from when you first initially started? You mean now, 10 years later, or back then? Back then, actually, and now, like mm-hmm. both. Um, (laughs) I think that, uh, when I was writing back then, it was always with comedic moments and I liked that idea. I wanted to like write more of the sitcom kind of things in classes, not so much the dramatic, you know? So I think I kind of understood how characters would talk when I was writing, um, and then and then I was writing more for like just a one-sided conversation of somebody yelling at somebody. You know, I think it's more of my comedy. Like back then I used to write a lot about how pissed off I was that, you know, dating sucks and not having enough money for food sucks and <laughs> going to college sucks and having three jobs sucks. And, you know, now I'm like, God, having kids sucks and being married sucks. <laughs> so I think I'm still writing the same way. Uh-huh. But um, the subject matter's gotten older. <laughs> yeah, a lot of my jokes from back then, um, I could probably still use, just rework them a little. Because mm. it's the same attitude. Right. It's just, yeah. And especially <laughs> when you realize that uh, you're on your own when you're writing some of the stuff. Because you didn't have that classroom anymore. Yeah, I mean, um, I I do rely a lot on, on people's opinions. Um you know, I, I think that I'll listen to anyone's suggestions. I think people like to suggest ways of what you're supposed to do with jokes or what you're supposed to write or how you should say something. And I'll listen to everybody. And when people are right, I respect that they're right, you know, and I and I try what they say. Um, I've had, especially my husband, who I met doing comedy, he was at, oh. that, he was at that second show at the Gaslighter. Um, he, he'll tell me a lot, like... Was he an audience member? No, he was hosting it. Oh, yeah, so your he was husband ho- also... He was hosting the open mic. Is a performer, huh? Yes, yes, yes. Well, he was. That's cute. <laughs> or not. That's great. I don't know, like, you know, people get nervous when, when comedians date other comedians. Yeah. In this case, it wasn't that way? Well, um, I, you know, I, I mean, I like that it happened, <laughs> because obviously I, I married him. Yeah. But um, I, the one positive I can say, well, there's lots of positives, but I can say that 
we'll never ever say no to them following a dream. You Um, know, like, he'll never tell me no. I'll never tell him no. If that's what you want to do, your passion, we met knowing that the other person was striving for something, you know, trying to dream and wish and and say, I can do this and I can say this and I can perform this. Because there's a confidence you have to have, you know. There's There's a leap you have to take when you take a stage. And we met doing that. So throughout our marriage, you know... Is this crazy? No, it's not crazy. Do it. You know, <laughs> you know, promotions or trips or um, passions. You know, he that we have, we encourage it in each other, which I think is important and is unique because we we met this way. Well, I'm sure other people encourage their their spouses, but we have a good foundation to do that. That's amazing. That's amazing. Because I, I always figured, you know, to be with another comedian, it's like there's some like political stuff you have to deal with you know like especially if you're a woman you know mm-hmm. like i'm sure i'm sure you could kind of uh give us some insight about like when you're dating another comedian like people assume like oh you, you're that guy's chick that's what she's got on the show or or, or all this oh. other bullshit yeah you know we didn't um i mean we would carpool back then and go to shows and um but we never really got like booked we weren't getting booked we had um he started a show where he did like an open mic and we didn't really like I mean we I worked three jobs you know I we would do this like more of a hobby where we would do the Friday nights we would do maybe Monday nights at this place called Grand Matthew Studios and um it wasn't like now where it's you know you were you were getting booked and you're trying to like do something every day of every week and it wasn't like that, so we didn't really have that competition. Or if he got booked somewhere, I wasn't getting booked with him, you know, because we neither of us were getting booked. <laughs> you, you guys weren't were not getting envious over each other's, uh, you know, success here and there. Mm, I don't think so. I mean, uh, we did do like roosters a couple times, and I did like the comedy competition at the improv, and it was always like that was awesome. Good for you, you know. Um, yeah, I don't think so. We're we're not we we are happy in the other person doing well. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, that's like awesome. That's like the ideal, I think. Uh, performers. Uh, yeah. Thing they want is a partner who understands what line of work they're getting themselves into and are supportive. Yeah, I mean, there's could be worse things. <laughs> of, course. of course. Yeah. But he's no longer doing comedy. No, I mean, he supports me and four children. I'm a stay-at-home mom, you know, four kids. It's a lot. So he works like a madman, and he's fantastic like that. We both stopped as soon as I got pregnant because, you know, why, if you're tired and you're having kids, why go out at night and do this? We just decided, okay, now's the time where we're going to save money and have babies, and then maybe we had always said we would go back and do it for our 10-year anniversary. And we're at nine years now, and we had talked about it last year, and he was like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) And I was like, I totally want to do that. And he said, then you should go do it. So that's why I went back. Do you feel from a a very young age you always wanted to be a performer of some sort? Um, I think from a young age I always loved comedy. Like, I remember watching Sinbad video, like VHS, and, and like in the 80s and 
cracking up at him like like I forget the joke but he was saying about his mom like saying you know sick and tired and then he would one time she said you know I am sick and he said and tired and then he talked about like getting knocked out till next week or something and I just cracked up thinking oh my mom would totally do that to me you know and um I, I loved that that tape I don't know why we had it it was probably like blockbuster tape or something but I remember loving it as a kid mm. and as like a teenager I would have CDs like George Carlin you know wow. stuff or whatever and I would have like delirious and I remember taking those with me on trips okay yeah so was anybody else in your family into comedy? Well, someone had to have been for us to have those yeah. things in the house, right? right. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. who. Or, or did who your family, family find it weird that you're, like, into the, you know, buying comedy albums? No, no. I mean, I have a big family, and I'm always, like, loud and making jokes, so I think that they probably just thought it was... Okay. Uh, is your family he- uh, mainly here in, in the South Bay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All around, like, Fremont... Um, San Jose, Morgan Hill. So you grew up in San Jose? Yes. Born and raised. Okay. How many siblings do you have? Um, uh, I grew up with four. Well, I grew up with three, me being four. So I, I like to say that I have like three, but, uh, I also have a steps and, and a complicated odd childhood. So like, um, like seven altogether, including me. Were you the youngest? No, I'm in somewhere in the middle of the somewhere, pack. Just somewhere. In the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, well, what line of work were your parents doing? Um, well, my mom drove buses, like the county bus. Okay, cool. She did that. Well, my dad did that too. He passed, unfortunately, when I was very young. And that's hence the new brother and sister's coming and the old brother. Like, it's a complicated story. But, anyways. Do you mind if I ask how old were you when he passed? Uh, five. Oh, wow. Yeah. How did you process that? <laughs> As a five year old? Yeah. How did I process that? Um, I don't remember doing that. It's not something I really. Yeah. Probably with humor. I remember mm. reading a lot of Shel Silverstein. <laughs> I oh, interesting. So you felt like humor was there as a as a coping mechanism for you? Um, I think in everything I do, it's um, I deal with humor with it. Every bad news I've ever had to give or hear, I think jokes are in there for me. Mm. That's just what I do. Yeah, you, know? you get, get a break it into them easily. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like, um, one of the reasons I did go back to comedy is because uh, a year ago I got diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And um, I was still pregnant with my son, and we had to, like, do all this stuff, and I thought I was going to die. Because we had to wait, and it was terrible. Anyways. Um, Hold on. So, no. what, what, so when I'm telling yeah. my family about this, right, I'm, t- I'm breaking the news to my entire family, siblings, parents, everyone, nieces, nephews. I'm like, okay, guys, I have, I have to tell you something. And my brother's like, you're pregnant again. Like, no, no. <laughs> the fifth, no fifth child. Um, but I told them, you know, I have thyroid cancer. And then I was literally... They're all crying, and I'm just like, come on, like, <laughs> I'm cracking jokes, and they're like, that, I know that's just the way you are, but knock it off, <laughs> but that's just the way, you know, I yeah. had to, I had to, it's it's just the way to try to ease the tension for me, so I, I crack jokes through the most inappropriate times, like I make all my cousins laugh at funerals, oh. but I mean, 
I feel like I don't want to see you crying. And right. I want you to remember what laughter is like. And I'm going to make you laugh even though we're at a funeral. You know, that's that's what I do. Yeah. Sorry to hear about the cancer. I'm good. You're good. Yeah. Um, but it is one of the reasons why I came back to comedy is because... Yeah. How, yeah. how did you process that? I wrote. I wrote, I remember the day, I mean, I'm always writing, I, will, I always have pens, I always have a, a book of something to write on or post-it notes or something, but that day, I remember hearing it, like a wave hitting me, and uh, I had to go downstairs and get blood work, and I was sitting there waiting for them to call my number, and I'm writing, like, it was almost like I was writing to my children to say goodbye, or to tell them about me in a way. But I wrote about what it felt like to hear that, to know that that was my path in life now. And I wrote, and I wrote, and um, I wrote down jokes that I had th been thinking about that I had never had the confidence to write down. And I think that it's what really pushed me to get back into comedy. Because for years, oh yeah, we're gonna do it in our 10 year. Oh yeah, I'm gonna do that someday. And then it was like, I have to get all of this out because I don't know if I have it tomorrow, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just purged everything, all the jokes I wanted to say, all the thoughts I wanted to write down, all the diary entries I never did that I wanted my kids to know about. I just wrote it all down. And that's how I processed most of it. And that's how I made most of my set when I came back. Right. Yeah. Just write, write, write. That's my mo that's my process, I guess. If there's, I mean, if there's any silver linings when it comes to like, when you're in a position where you're kind of facing your own mortality, mm -hmm. uh, is that you kind of really start prioritizing things that really matters to you. Yes. And you start, you know, and without even he hesitating necessarily, you just do say the things you want to say, do the things you want to do, or or or, because uh, I, I mean. The, Thankfully, it wasn't a big deal, but I had a, a, a bit of a scare not too long ago where they say that I had a, a good chance I had a liver cancer, Ooh. liver disease. Like cirrhosis or? I'm not sure. They did some blood work. Like It looks like you might have you know, liver disease, so come back in a week to mm. do some extensive testing. Mm. And that week was both the worst and, and, and worst of the best, but uh, I got a lot of things, most things out of my shoulders about you know because you know sort of things like how, you know when the time comes how do I tell this to my family yeah how, and, and what are some projects that I should prioritize or what really matters and, and you if start, this is real yeah what do I want my end to be like right yeah in, in a, sure or like what deadlines should I put to this and that and you, yeah. you all these starts are racing mm -hmm. you know I, I didn't eat for a week like you know you just and I mean, oh no! Half of the things I'd want to do is I want to eat that. <laughs> I'm eating everything I can. <laughs> like, <right>? Who cares <laughs> about the waistline? Let's do this. Like, I want one of everything, Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> you know, like as I start talking about you know ex girlfriends and you know try to you know uh, just see say things I didn't think I would done if this thing didn't happen to me. Yeah. Then I go in a week later and they do some, you know, some ultrasound. They're like, no, you just have fatty liver. <laughs> All that to call me fat? <laughs> Pretty much. But, but you know, it, it, again, that was both, uh, for me, it was a tough, tough week when, you, when you're faced with that dilemma in front yeah. of you. Yeah. 
A week's tough. Yeah, I know, but you had to, like, <laughs> how long, uh, did you go through chemo? No, I was lucky. I mean, they call it a lucky cancer because it's, um, I don't have to do chemo. I had to do radiation, which is a mind, can you say that word? I can't say that word. What word? It's a mind. Yeah, you can say fuck. Oh, okay. I yeah, it's fuck. a mind fuck to, to, mind to fuck. do radiation because they, they put you in this room and then they tell you, okay, I'm going to leave <laughs> and uh, I need you to open that container Put that pill in your mouth and then walk out that door to your car. <laughs> like, what's that about? Hold on. It's radiation. It's a pill of radiation. So you're li- literally swallowing a radiation pill. Yeah, for the type that I had to do. Um, I you have what you do is you starve your body of iodine, which has all this kind, like all kinds of things have iodine in it, not just salt, but it's crazy. And uh, you starve your body of iodine because the thyroid in particular sucks up iodine. Mm-hmm. So if you starve your body from it. Then you take a pill of radioactive iodine, it sucks it up, and then it kills off any leftover thyroid cells because once they take out your thyroid, first I had to do surgery and take it out, but anything growing is cancer, so they and it's thyroid cancer, so they, yeah, so they, I t- you have to take this pill, and it's it's a mind fuck because you, they leave the room, and you're just like, am I really gonna poison myself right now? So <laughs> like, surreal. Yeah, and like the the crazy thing is that you you wait so long, and you're like, please just give me radiation, <laughs> like, and you're waiting for like months, and they're like, yeah, yeah, you're gonna get it, and then you get there, and you're like, do I really want to take this? <laughs> I don't, I don't really want to take this, and then you take it. But yeah, the waiting was was actually pretty hard too. The waiting for the surgery was hard mm. because it was months, and then waiting for the radiation was hard because it's months, and uh, it's the worst months of your life. But then, and now I had to wait one whole year to get new scans to say that I'm free and clear, and that happens uh, the middle of July, so. Hopefully, it'll come out perfect. So now I'm coming off my meds. I have to come off my meds for six weeks just to take the scans. And then I have to um, do that crazy diet again to starve myself of iodine. And then uh, get the dye injected. Instead of radiation, this time it's just a dye. And then um, do the scans. And then I have to wait for the scans. So, so I've really been kind of waiting like over a year for them to say, okay, you're cancer free. Mm. So your week is puny, is what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I, I know, I, I know. My name's minute compared to like most other people with the, the dilemma. I'm terrible. Um, but I, I would like to think I got like a little glance, you know, yeah. uh, 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 through that window. A little slap in the right direction, <laughs> like buck up, buddy, and make your life better because it could be worse. <laughs> and then, uh, but the thing is now is that you. It seems like you're, you're also. Uh, participating in shows you know you know fuck cancer you know yeah. kind of shows yeah because you, you do offer a, a, a different perspective on it well you know that happened by chance i was at an uh, uh uh lily max over in mountain view i think it is and there was no audience unfortunately that week because it was raining and um jeff applebaum was the headliner and i was like you know what i'm just gonna perform my set because i wanted you know I had almost known all of the comedians there, but I didn't know a few of them, and I was like, well, I don't know these few, so let me just perform my set. And I did, like, an extended set, because there was no audience, and they didn't care. And, um, 
you know, I did my cancer jokes, which I love and um, are sometimes tough for audience to hear. Do you feel like it's a, too sensitive of a su- subject to some, do you think? Um, some people get upset that I'm making fun of cancer because they've lost somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, um, they just kind of stare and they, they don't want to laugh at something like cancer. You know, but I've tried to change it since then. But anyways, so he saw my set and he was like, I'm doing a cancer show next week or something do you want to be on it it's like hell yeah i want to be on it it just kind of happened to to do that set that day in front of the right person and it's not like i i got booked as the cancer patient comedian you know um like i haven't put that out there but it would be nice to do those kinds of shows because the audience wasn't sensitive about uh you know laughing at, at cancer you know that's what they're there for to laugh about it and to enjoy life and that's the thing is it's important to find uh in the middle of like such serious subjects mm-hmm. is to find a, a sense of humor or at least find the humor of it to take away its its power almost to take away yeah. it's uh you know it is a serious subject but i guess you need to make it People understand that that it's 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 common and it's there is some um, what's the word I'm looking for? I want to say positivity, but you don't that you don't you do not need to let this keep you down. Yeah, for sure. I mean, is, I that, think is it, that the angle? I think that like for me, it's not about the cancer at all. The joke isn't even about the cancer. The joke is about the the doctors and what the doctors have told me. Because to me, sometimes, like, they're expecting me to cry, and they say something that cracks me up, and they think I'm weird, and I'm like, no, it's weird that you just said that. <laughs> like, like, what kind of things? Like, um, I mean, I say it in my joke, it's true. They said, um, you know, sim- thyroid cancer symptoms include things like weight gain, irritability, and fatigue. Have you had any of those? And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I've been pregnant for a decade. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Of course I've had those things, you know? And to me, that was hilarious. But the doctor was like, what? <laughs> and I mean, it's hard to say on the radio, but the the surgeon, when she was telling me about my incision, like my incision starts on one side of my neck and it goes all the way across my neck and then up back behind my opposite ear. It's a big hook around my neck. And she took her finger and she traced it. And she's like, I'm going to make an incision like this. And she went... Eek. Like, yeah, yeah, like like you're you're dead. Like, like you're like, dead. Yeah. And I was like, who says this? Like, and I looked at my husband and I was like, did she just say she's gonna kill me? Like, yeah, yeah. like and to me that is hilarious. Uh-huh. And people think I'm crazy. But the jokes really came from me telling my family and friends about these things. Like, you would not believe what this doctor just told me. <laughs> And they found it funny. And I'm like, yeah, that would work on stage because everybody would find that ridiculous that this doctor just did this, you know? Right. And it, I mean, that's where the jokes came from was me telling telling people about the cancer, telling people about what I'm going through. But I would always tell them as lighthearted as I could and tell them as, as, as simply and, and just with this joke at the end so that... Mm-hmm. In a way, I was helping them to, like, deal with it so that they didn't walk away feeling like, oh, man, I'm so sorry for Jeanette, you know? Right. It was more like, oh, she's going to be fine. You know? <laughs> That's what I wanted them to walk away with. It was, ah, she's, she's, she's good. She's fine. Now, cancer, uh, 
to a lot of comedians, you know, young ones or, uh, you know, just like Hitler, just like dick jokes, just mm-hmm. like it, it seems to be uh, rape it, jokes, rape jokes never work. Well, right. The thing is, is like it seems like a an easy subject almost to to take on, especially if you haven't had it. So, do you feel like when you see comedians trying to make a cancer joke that never had cancer, mm-hmm. do you kind of like be like, you know, you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about, <laughs> or, or or do you like, oh, well, um, I mean, I feel that way a, about a joke's a joke kind of thing. I or? feel that way about pe- people trying to make jokes about being a parent and they've never been a parent. You know, <laughs> like you have no idea what you're talking about. But I think that's kind of my snootiness about being a parent. Like that's not fair. You know, you can make jokes about being a parent. I can still decide that you have no idea what you're talking about, but that's my right. But with cancer, I feel like the ones I've heard who do cancer jokes, it's not real. Like, in the audience can tell. You know, they're making fun... Like, first of all, you can't make fun of a cancer patient. That's not the angle you should be taking. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I've heard people make fun of how much cancer patients complain or something, or, like yeah we got it you have cancer like that's not the angle to take like people aren't gonna be like yeah fuck those cancer patients like that's not gonna get you an audience behind you but I have heard people taking on the the stance of fuck cancer Mm -hmm. and that works sometimes because people can get behind that you know they can agree with that but I haven't really heard a lot of cancer jokes since I've been back well, how long have you been back so far? Since, um, like, November, December time. Alright. So, like, six, seven months, something seven like that. Seven months? Yeah. It's been a really good seven Not months, bad. though. It's been like, a really like, good well, seven months. Well, for me, months. I've been hosting Room for, like, almost three years now. So, I'm like, I feel like, alright, here's... Oh, I see that one coming. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, going back, though, because I'd like to know more about how you got started when you were younger there. So, so yeah. I'm going to want to go back. We kind of want Oh, we've been skipping all over the place, man. <laughs> so you're going to school in San Jose, right? You got, yes. You got these comedy albums. You're processing. You're, you, yes. But you're in high school by this time. Sure. Right? Always writing. I was on the yearbook. I was on the newspaper. Oh, always so writing. Were you, were you like a reporter? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was the editor of the, the yearbook. And I was always in, like, the English classes. I always loved those, you know, and... It was always writing for me. That's how I started, for Interesting. sure. Any other writers in the family? Hmm. I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. But I can't say that there's, like, uh, yeah. I can't say I'm a writer. But <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I mean, uh... For I, someone that says you've been writing your, your whole life. Always writing. I mean, no, taking notes, doing, you know, doing things for classes. I don't know if that's a writer. Sure it is. Okay. Then, yeah. Yeah. Always been a writer. But, yeah, all through high school, writing. Doing those kinds of classes. What high school? Oak Grove. Oak Grove. Eagles. What's Where? up, South Side? South San Jose. San Jose. Yeah. Actually, I lived on the East Side, San Jose. I um I got in by writing. I did an interdistrict transfer and I did an essay to get in because I went to elementary school around there and all my friends were there. And I moved to East Side for junior high. I went to Leva Junior High, and I was supposed to go to some school over there, and um. I, I had to take three buses and the light rail or something ridiculous in the morning to get to school many days when my sister didn't drive me or or I didn't get a ride from a friend from some neighbors of mine. 
because I loved that school and I went to Oak Grove but I lived on the east side yeah that's no nobody cares <laughs> no that's interesting <laughs> Yeah. Like, did you feel like you fit in in Oak Grove, considering that you came from the east side? Because I'm, I'm sure there's different dynamics. Well, I went to elementary school with the kids at Oak Grove. Oh, okay. So that's why I wanted to go back. Got it. Because those were, like, my buddies. Interesting. You know? And I went right. to junior high, and I was like, I hate all these people. But I think that's just junior high. Like, everybody hates everybody. <laughs> but I hated them all, right? So, <laughs> um, no, that's not true. I loved some of them. But then I, I wanted to go back. So I went back to Oak Grove side. And um, so after you graduated from high school, yes. you went to study psychology. I did. Why? I, why, I, why? Um, I it just fascinated me. And right after high school, I um, I was volunteered with special ed. But right after high school, I got a job with special ed. I was an aide, classroom aide, with kids um, for special ed. And I worked with this one boy as a one on one aide for him for almost five years. Helping in the classroom, I helped him all through junior high, and um, I also worked with them at home. I would like babysit and help them do that. You, you were really involved with this. Yeah, it was. I did wow. like, and and it was like uh, my night job. I would with a different student. I would help um, after school after they came off the bus, and um, it was like my full time, all the time job, and it was very stressful. And um, was he autistic? He, no, cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy. Yeah. Um, wheelchair bound. Fantastic sense of humor. Good. In fact, um, someone was like, complained about how I would always get him to laugh. and Because he didn't talk, but he laughed wonderfully. And so I think that, you know, he was my first audience probably. Because <laughs> I would just get him to crack up as much as I could. Yeah. And sometimes it was like, okay, we have to walk out of the classroom because you're laughing too much. <laughs> and for five years, you, you practically, you guys must have built a bond. Yeah, sure. His parents are my Facebook friends. <laughs> you still keep in touch with him? Um, somewhat. I mean, I, I it was hard to leave. I, I didn't want to leave him. I was actually told that he needed to have a, a male aide when he went to high school. Why? Because instead of bathrooms, they have locker rooms and a woman can't be in the locker room. Oh. It made sense, but it was heartbreaking because they told me like the last day of the school year and it was it was heartbreaking. I mean, I, I watched this kid grow up, you know. Yeah. So it was tough for me. I kind of had to distance myself to kind of let that go a little. And then, and then I let go of all of it. The whole special ed career I just and that's what I think psychology was for me was I wanted to to help with special ed with their with their machines their speaking machines a lot of people don't know how to train on those kinds of things but I walked away and it was it was a, a tough five years and I actually got a job at the improv selling tickets do you mind if I ask what Yes. How, how did, <laughs> I didn't even ask the question. But, it seems know, like something I would mind. <laughs> what? Because I could, I mean, five years, you know, working mm -hmm. with somebody, building a relationship with somebody. Mm -hmm. how, how do you, and you said that you, you, usually when you give, you know, uh, bad news, you like to put some, some humor in there. Mm -hmm. So how was that goodbye for you and, and this person? Um, Gosh. I think it was, I, I, I think that the parents were good about saying like, oh, this isn't goodbye, you know, but it, I cried a lot. That was a tough one. I don't remember um, joking too much, but I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did because I just, I could not have, have just let him not 
laugh. Like that's not that's not possible. But I don't remember much of it. Um, it was devastating day. Mm-hmm. Like it was a devastating week. I remember going back to my roommate and just like, oh, just losing it. And and um, she's like, so you're gonna get another job, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm sure she was supportive and wonderful. <laughs> yeah. so, but afterwards, you you said you got into comedy. You started working at the improv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I sold tickets there for a while. How was that experience? How was the improv run back then? Uh, you're trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> Why? Is it trouble? I mean, it was a boys' club for sure. It was a lot of um, men jokes and men, men, um, like it was the beginning of YouTube time, and and people were showing me things that I did not want to see on YouTube. Uh, yes, <laughs> and it was like I I did not want to see those things. Don't ever show me again. And they thought it was hilarious, <laughs> but um, it was fun. I got to um, not just sell tickets, but hand out flyers on the street, which I kind of love doing. Wow. So you were a barker? Yes. No, wait. What's that? You were passing out flyers? Like, sure. Comedy show. Then, comedy yeah. show. I once gave a flyer. I was at, I was over by the movie theater in downtown, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was giving flyers out to people. Just like, hey, come to the show tonight. It's really funny. John Panette. Oh, he's so funny. Blah, blah, blah. Excuse me, sir. Hi, we're having this comedy show tonight. If you and he turns around and it's John Panette. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he's like, are you giving me a flyer to my own show? <laughs> like, do you want one? <laughs> and he was so sweet. And he, like, walked around with me handing out flyers. People, excuse me, that's my face. Do you want to come to my show? <laughs> it was it work? fantastic. Oh, people would take it. Of course, they were taking pictures of them. They were, we're going to come. We're going to come. And um, he was so sweet. And he, like, came to the box office, I remember, and saying, hey, I remember you. And <laughs> it was... It was really nice, mm. but it was a really fun job. Is there a particular uh, performance at the improv that you saw while working there that really uh, gave you an impression? Um, I really loved um, Christopher Titus. Oh yeah, he's a pro. He's amazing, and yeah. I love that he, you know, like what I'm trying to do is he talks about stuff that he can bring that audience to silence, mm. and it just comes way down, and they're just like feeling it and they're like man I did not think you were gonna go there and talk about alcoholism and your dad dying and and then he would get this uproarious laugh from the crowd because he twists it on them Mm -hmm. and it was just like I loved it so much and I told him that after the show I walked up to him and I said like what you do is so amazing and I said something a version of what I just said to you and he said oh my god you get it and he, like, talked to me for a good 10, 15 minutes, and he signed his DVDs for me, and I, you know, paid for them, of course. But he was so nice, and, and he's like, yeah, you get it. That's what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. And that's always been uh, the best show. I, and I, I watched, I, I went to see him at Tommy T's after that. I went to go see him, like, everywhere I could. You know, my husband knew, like, oh, she likes that guy. <laughs> and uh, every time I see him, I'm just like... Waiting, yeah. and I love it so much. He's a pro, definitely. I love the the waves he can create. Yeah, he has this great talent of just getting you engaged. Yes, he's a storyteller, and, and yeah, and he's fast. Like, yeah, it's like whoa. Like, like you mentioned, like I felt like uh, in his specials, I was like, because I, I have one of his um, downloaded one of his uh, early special. Mm-hmm. I'm like, sure, man, this guy just keeps it coming. Yeah, I mean he. 
he packs it in. He'll he'll tour with that same set for a while because he's just polishing it for so long, and it just packs in the jokes, you know. But yeah, the thing that that I love the most is how he can just bring it down to like sadness almost vulnerability. That's what I was trying to go yes, for. Yes, he's we're, vulnerable we're, on that stage, and he gets real. Mm. I love it. Any other comedians that made an impression on you? That I saw at the improv. Ah, oh, jeez. Terrible with names. Didn't I tell you this already? How, how long were you at work at the improv? Uh, not too long. I got fired. Oh, because, for what? <laughs> because I comped tickets that I guess I wasn't supposed to. And it it was a no-comp oh. ticket kind of show. Is it the same system they have now? Where you you say the, the host's name or something like that? or? No, I have no idea. Oh. That, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know that was the way they do it now. No, it was for like a real show. Like a... I don't know. I don't remember. Like for a real show. No, like <laughs> like a booked contract show. Like yeah. I violated the contract by comping those tickets. That's basically why I got fired. Because uh. it was like, no, in the contract we're not allowed to comp tickets, and now we have to go to corporate and get them to pay for these tickets. Yeah. <laughs> so Sorry to hear that. Yeah. I mean, I, I was like, you guys know how much this job means to me. They didn't care. <laughs> Like I said, boys club. It was a lot of, was a lot of uh, men in suits back then. I don't know. There could be still that. Like I said, you're getting me in trouble. I'm never gonna get booked there again. Where'd you move on to? We'll change subject. <laughs> Catch me this m- month at the Improv. <laughs> Actually, uh, July 16th and 23rd, I'm at the Improv. Oh, great! Yeah. Who's, on whose show? Um, Rivest Dunlap is the first one, but uh, PX got me the show, and Frankie oh. Robles is gonna be on it. It's gonna be really good. Drea Myers, I've never seen her before, but I'm excited. I met her once, I think, at the caravan. Yeah, I'm always excited. She's, she's more Sacramento, girls. right? No idea. Do you f- there's def- ne- I just told you, I've never met her. Never met her. Okay. <laughs> uh, more but, girls. Uh, yeah, I like to see more women. And then the second show, the 23rd, I'm doing it with uh, Kabir Singh. Never met him either, but I'm looking forward to it. Hear great things. I'm the only girl on that one, so I'm representing for the ladies. That's how I was at David Buster's on Wednesday, and mm. I started out with a great joke. I was like, I'm your token lady. You're going to hear about the size of my vagina. <laughs> now, I know, you know, I'm sure we still come somewhat of a long way, but we still have a long way to go as far as women in comedy, mm. uh, even locally. It's a lot better than it was 10 years ago, I'll tell you that. What are the differences that, that you've noticed? Um. Well, I think... Uh, Back in the day, um, not to disparage the girls who were there, the women who were there back then, because some of them are still around and are fantastic, but I think a lot of uh, women who attempted it and didn't get very far, they were just trying to do shock humor, like talking about giving blowjobs or something, and yes, it can be shocking, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's funny, Mm. whereas now, I think more women are talking about everything you know it's not just the shocking things and when they do talk about sex or their what they want to do or what they are doing it's not shocking anymore it's more like that's what they're talking about and it's it's a lot more open to women being comics i think than it was back then fascinating is it? It looks like you kind of yeah. zoned out there. No, no. I'm engaged. I'm here. I'm Sorry. Listening. You're like, mm, is it? Who are you talking about? No, it's interesting. You know, because 
like for me at for Scotty I've always tried to you know support more women to do comedy yeah um and sometimes uh you know even if they're doing the usual tropes I try not not to be too judgmental because mm. I'm like everybody who did, who's new does the same tropes mm. you know I've done the same mistakes my first couple jokes were dick jokes. I get it. Yeah. I mean, if um, guys can do dick but, jokes, then women can do vagina jokes. The, the thing is, that I've noticed that the turnout for women is, is much higher. Like, I've noticed more women who get into comedy, they end up not doing it on a faster pace than, than the guys around here. So, mm-hmm. I, I wonder if, like, you know... Not doing it at a fa- faster pace? Yeah. Like, like no, what I mean by that is, like, they'll start and after a couple months they're quit. Hmm. Even even if they're very talented. Well, it is really rough. I mean, the first few shows I did back, um, I got heckled by men uh, just trying to, like, talk to me while I'm on a stage. Like, hit, <laughs> on, like hit on you? Yeah, trying to hit on me. Like, and and uh, it, it can be um, wearing on somebody. Like, it, it's, it's before the show, it's during your set, while you're on there, and it's after the show. Right. You know? And, and for me, I talk about having four kids and being happily married on stage and I still get it. So I can't imagine the women who are single and up there talking about dating how much they get bombarded mm-hmm. with it. I mean, it, it can be... I, I can imagine that um, that might be why some women drop out. I can't I, I can't speak for all. But... Um, not to say that all men suck, but... Well, most of us do. But but my experience is, if you're a new face, they're going to (laughs) try sometimes. And that's that's something I told a a recent uh, uh, woman who tried to get involved in comedy. It's like, like, comedy is not bad. It's fun. It's great. Mm -hmm. She was worried. She said, yeah, I've just heard stories about, like, women in comedy. I'm like, the comedy is not the problem. It's the people in comedy sometimes. Hmm. Or the people you meet in comedy. And that can be true for anything. You know, you join a math club and there can be some jerks in the math club. I would definitely blame the math. I hate math. <laughs> I, I think math it is responsible. <laughs> yeah. It drives them to be like, oh, we have to make this <laughs> quantum theory true. I don't know. I don't know math. <laughs> I'm not a math person. <laughs> All right, Jeanette. I could dissect that sentence for you. We've, we've reached an hour. You're kidding. No, I'm Thank serious. Thank God. No. Oh, okay, fine. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think we had a good conversation, right? It was, it, it had its moments. It had its moments. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, you could probably cut out most of the cancer yeah. stuff. Who wants to hear about that? Oh. No, I think, I think there's a lot to learn from that stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, is there, how can, if you want to check you out? What's the best place people can, can go see you? <laughs> do, do you have a, um, a... I am going to be at the Improv July 16th and 23rd and August 16th. I just got booked on for that one. That's fantastic. I'm trying to get uh, back to Rooster Teeth Feathers. I'm on Instagram, but it's hard to find on purpose. So okay. <laughs> find so me on Facebook, I guess, Jeanette Marin, and then it'll link you to my Instagram that's hard to find on purpose, which really doesn't... It kind of defeats the purpose, right? Well, are you active on social media when it comes to reaching out of, you know, uh, people for your comedy? I mean, it's kind of weird to me to have strangers, like, seeing the pictures of my kids. So I think eventually I'm going to have to start, like, separating the two and having, like, a a family Facebook and a comedy Facebook, which kind of seems pretentious and stupid to me now. Mm. But give it a couple months. Maybe Mm. (laughs) maybe I'll do that. I have one of them. 
one of those, and yeah. I, I don't really take care of it that often. See, that's the thing. I don't want to be on another one for like all my life because I'm already on mine too much. Yeah. Like I can, I I can get away with ignoring one kid at a time. Two Facebooks. Oh, I have to drop another kid. Like that's a lot. <laughs> Give it a couple of years when they're a little more self-sufficient, and then I'll I'll maybe jump in. But I think I have to start doing that, right? Like getting a website and. I mean, I'm at the improv. I'm big time now, right? <laughs> sure. I don't know, honestly. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, no advice from Jorge. No. Thanks. Uh, I, I, we talked about this before we got recording. I'm the worst person. Oh, we, we did talk about it on this podcast. Right? I'm the worst person to ask for advice for comedy. It's like, I don't know. We didn't talk about that. Yeah. Like, I give great advice. Do you want to hear my advice? What's your, what's your advice? <laughs> no, because I got great advice. My great advice is uh, write out your jokes and then start cutting out words that you don't need. Because you, you'd you be surprised how many times people just mumble through like setups and they could get there so much quicker. Mm. And it really does make a difference. Mm. You know, like if you cut out five words, that, that makes a big difference. But it helps to write out. Of course, my advice is to write everything. <laughs> like That's what I do. But write down your jokes and just start cutting out words that are ne- unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And I think it helps a lot. Mm-hmm. It, I, I think so. I that's agree. my comedy advice. I do have one comedy advice. Oh, give it to me. But this is only to like new people, newcomers. Okay. And that is for your first year or two years, do everything you want. Do everything. Experiment with everything. Go dirty. Go clean. Do different rooms. Yeah. Don't, it don't matter. Try voices. Try voices, yeah. Oh, I tried to do a Donald uh, Trump voice the other day. It did not work. <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> However, stay away from prop uh, comedy. I, uh, I do not encourage that. Do not become Carrot Top. That's, exactly. That's your or, advice. Or a music uh, playing yeah? comedian. No? No. I found Why? Them, I, found them, I find them extremely annoying. What? Those yeah. are amazing. Yeah. That is like talent on top well, of I talent. Gu- I guess we differ on something. <laughs> It was uh, bound to happen, right? <laughs> but, but you know, I tell them, like, do everything. Yeah. By the third year, or even the fifth year, then then I think you you take a different turn in comedy. You, you look at it a little, either, either more seriously or less seriously. Yeah. And that, you, you have to concentrate on finding your own voice. Yeah. And, and that's what you have to I took eight years. For yeah. me to look at it seriously, yeah. but, <laughs> I don't suggest it. <laughs> but to to come off as authentic and, and closer closest to you personality that yeah. that would distinguish distinguish you from another person. Yeah, and I think that's important. Uh, that not just comedy, but everything is to really try to have a bit of authenticity to your act. And that, and, that, sure. and that basically means find your voice after yeah. the second year. I remember telling someone, yeah, I thought that set was fantastic. Years ago, that, that set was fantastic. But anyone could have said those jokes. And mm. I think back now, and that was a really bitchy thing for me to say. <laughs> but, but, like, you have to make your jokes so that no one else can steal what you're saying. Because that's what you went through. That's your story, you know. And when you're telling your story... It's going to feel authentic, even if it is something that someone else could say. It's not going to be authentic through them because that's they're just retelling it from you. Mm. That was a ramble. It's okay. <laughs> Jeanette, thank you for coming. Thank you, Jorge, for having me. That was terrible.